All right, I gotta know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Cree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. Yoo-hoo? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. Okay. Here goes. Cree and Yoohoo folks, it's Andrew, we're finally out of nowhere it seems, out of a run of some very boring nothing much episodes, arrived, arrived at Meridian. I wish the dogs would shut up in the background, but they won't, so you're going to hear little tinkly collars, fun. Um, anyway, I, I went to pieces. <laughs> I've been crying my eyes out of this episode. It really hits you. Not necessarily that it's goodbye Daniel forever, but more the like the the nice way they do it. The way they say that he's earned forgiveness and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, my life's a failure. I want to ascend. <laughs> this whole time, all the way through uh, season four. In season five, they've been teasing. They've been teasing us with this whole Oma Dasala ascension, ascended beings thing. And I did my best, ladies and gentlemen. I did my best to not spoil that Daniel Jackson was going to die and ascend, but I may have done, and I apologize because wow, isn't it just a lot? It's a lot. The whole series is now changed from this point on, and I'll, I'll endeavor not to spoil the next chapter <laughs> too much, and then, of course, it's a short-lived chapter of approximately one season, and then the next chapter is very different after that. I'll try not to spoil those, but um, the, the main classic era SG-1 is gone. Colonel O'Neill... The, bra the brawn of the operation, <laughs> Daniel Jackson, the brains, the dweeb. They both go off on this mission together, and it starts the whole thing. And now Daniel Jackson is off on his own mission, following his heart into the universe somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, alone is left Colonel Jack O'Neill. And he just kind of, it, it's like the end of the episode, uh, he's just got a little one shot of Colonel Jack O'Neill accepting that Daniel's gone and now it's him. Uh, it's his way now. He's gonna, he's gonna be the, you know, the leader, the premier guy. Um, Daniel's perspective was always very different from Jack's and now the Earth team has lost that diversity that was in the team that made them strong. Uh, Colonel O'Neill feels the loss personally. You know, there is absolutely no points to be awarded here in this episode for people deflecting their emotions, because this is all emotions. And of course, it's a classic Stargate SG-1, we have to say goodbye and farewell to our brothers-in-arms episode. <laughs> this is not the first time they've had the funeral for Daniel Jackson, you will recall. <laughs> 
Anyway, shall we get into it? Um, this one is written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Will Waring. He's the camera operator who they gave him one episode here for some reason. If you can hear stuff in the background, it's just because um, the dogs seem to calm down when Brooklyn Nine-Nine is playing. So we're watching some Brooklyn Nine-Nine over in the lounge there. Um, hopefully it's not loud enough for like copyright infringement purposes. So Robert C. Cooper, one of the producers, wrote this episode, and in, that makes sense because it's a uh, it's a heavy one. It's it's profound, profoundly reaching, and it uh, is going to affect the entire Stargate thing. <laughs> you know, they're messing with the very, very core elements of it, and so it has to be in the hands of a executive producer. I'm surprised Brad Wright didn't write it himself, to be honest. Will Waring directing it, though? Why? Of all the episodes to give to a brand new guy, why this one? The One of the most important ones in the whole series? Um, I don't know. <laughs> and I can only confirm that having just sat through the director commentary, utterly the wrong decision, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> why do why did I have him in the director commentary? If there was ever going to be an episode for Brad Wright and Michael Shanks to sit down and chew it over, and maybe even Richard Dean Anderson, this would be the one. We want story. We want what's this going to do to the story, to the series? What are we closing the door here? Opening other doors? Yada yada. But instead, we got a forty-minute director commentary about. Ooh, we have a big spotlight there behind her. To give her that glow, because she's ascended. How how much is that spotlight? Is it eighteen thousand or is it twenty thousand, Jim? You know, it's just like, oh my God, this is the most dull and inappropriate director commentary of all time. Though, of course, it is actually a director commentary <laughs> in a much much truer sense of the word. But we don't want that. We want a storyteller's commentary, don't we? Anyway, I'm so rambling. I can't get over it, and I'm kind of deflecting my own emotions here. I guess. The episode begins with, alert, Daniel Jackson racing to the infirmary, infirmary? Infirmary. <laughs> to the cemetery, more, doubt, more like it. Whoa! Okay, um, five points for Gary Jones being at the helm, at the con of the gate, calling out the, uh, the announcements over the PA. Uh, that's a lethal dose, sir, says the push and swell on General Hammond, and a push and swell on O'Neill, which is the actual one. So one point there. Uh, this civilization we just came from, it's like American 1940s, about to win the Second World War kind of planet. <laughs> really just like uh, ostentatiously, with no apology, taking us right to this thing they're trying to do. Um, it's five points for a reference here, because... Um, there, this is the episode where they heard about how some scientists working on the first nuclear bomb, the Manhattan Project, did this thing that Daniel Jackson did. Accidentally, you know, there was an accidental meltdown about to happen, and some scientists... This has happened in real life. The writers read about this. Some scientists went in there and gr grabbed it, pulled it off, stopped the reaction, and then died a horrific death very soon after from massive radiation poisoning. Um, so they heard about that and decided we're going to do the Stargate SG-1 episode about that. So that's why there's five points for the reference. So, look who it is. I gave it ten points because this is the first appearance of Jonas Quinn. The the man from Kowal Kalona. 
Um, and uh, he's going to be, you know, not too much of a spoiler to say he's going to be around for just a little while. You know, he, he's got uh, some trailing story bits and pieces to um, to tidy up there. And But no spoilers. So uh, I, he's, he's not exactly a beloved recurring guest star, so I'm not putting him on the five-point list. It'll make sense once we get to the season six, which we're nearly at, by the way. Um, so we have to have the story told in flashback. Well, General Hammond, it was a mission like any other. Like, like in Wayne's World? That's from Wayne's World. Let's do the mega happy ending! Oh yeah, that's doable. Um, <laughs> Wayne's World. Um, so, SG-1 finds this planet. They, they want to be great allies and stuff. Oh, by the way, they're building nukes. Except it turns out they're better nukes. They're, you know, how to build a better mousetrap. This is a better bomb, because it's Nequadria. Not Naquita. We've been dealing with this Naquita stuff, you know. Oh my god, it's an element of incredible power. Now we've got Super Naquita, Nequadria. I guess the quad part is um, kind of to represent exponential growth, rather than <laughs> something, I don't know. <laughs> exponentially better and this is gonna be again some spoilers but it's it's real fun that they actually are unlocking this now we've had some episodes in season five where everything is kind of stalled and they're just telling stories and not actually progressing the wider earth narrative this is actual narrative progression here this technology is going to be used in uh, let's just say the uh, X three hundred one fighter that uh, took Teal'c and O'Neill into outer space is not the first spaceship that is not the last spaceship that Earth is going to build. I'm having a hell of a day, so I'm having I'm kind of stumbling over my words here and losing the train of thought <laughs> right in the middle of each sentence. Um, all right, brief aside, brief tangent, if you will. Um, we we just found out that we're moving again. <laughs> we moved. We completely uprooted our lives. Uh, this is me and Cassie, long-time listeners, we will recall. Completely uprooted our lives and moved to a different city, and it's been three months, and now we've realized uh, it's much better if we move back exactly where we were. <laughs> we're both going to have better jobs um, and better other circumstances we won't go into. Um that are much more appropriate, and so on. And it's kind of like, fuck, okay, gotta sell some stuff and pack some stuff up and, like, book ferry tickets and, like, you know, check my credit card balance and all that kind of fun stuff. Kind of squishing in this Stargate in a rushed moment. Um, blah, 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 let's press on. Daniel Jackson, of course, has reacted to this society building nukes with the predictable thing. He's a, trying to present the pacifist argument. And, of course... Uh, as O'Neill says, you know, they're trying to blame him, saying he sabotaged the the experiment, which is, you know, believable, <laughs> but not the actual truth of what happened. They're lying to cover up their accident. Um, uh, and uh, we've got this little chit-chat here where he, Daniel says, they're going to build that bomb and nothing's going to stop them, and, and there's a push and swell there for one point. Um Sam, what's this say? Sam has the little spiel about how this Nequadri is like a magical god element. Um, really kind of 
uh, it's uh, we're trading Daniel Jackson's life for the Nequadria. <laughs> What's happening here? Um, I'll muse on that slightly. I'll elaborate. Uh, this really is the end of the the episodes where we go to a planet and have to make these huge moral decisions about what's right and wrong for societies where it's always O'Neill's point of view versus Daniel Jackson's point of view. Not so much of that anymore. Coming up is a whole lot more of, uh, the technological warfare. It's more like a Sam era. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the Nequadria time to shine. Hmm. Have I mused on that enough? I think I have. So Hammond decides, yes, I'm pissed off too, but I'm going to be diplomatic about this and try and get the goddamn Nequadria so that we can salvage something out of this. O'Neill's pissed, but hey, that's predictable. He also says no to the plan to go and nab a sarcophagus. Now, why in the name of hell would they not have got one of these already? Come to think of it, his whole argument against uh, launching a, a raid, an attack with soldiers is that there'll be significant casualties, but if you're successful, all the casualties go into the sarcophagus and get revived, so there's no casualties. <laughs> the victor has zero casualties in any battle for a sarcophagus. Do you follow me? It's not great little, uh, dealing with all the details here. And that's what they had to do. You can see the writers, they had to kind of well, they said, here, our main character is poisoned and is going to die. And then they had to go through, leaping all through all the hoops that all the sci-fi fans would say, like, but what about that planet where they can heal people? What about that technology that heals people? You know, the, the gold hand device for Sam and Jacob Carter. <laughs> the sarcophagus is brought up. Um, I don't know why they don't try and contact the Nox, for that matter. The Asgard are mentioned. <laughs> Then <laughs> the writers kind of one by one explain away all those different solutions about why they're not helpful in this case. It's because Michael Shanks' contract has not been reviewed. It's terminal, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, do you remember in the TV show Friends with Joey, Joey Tribbiani? He's playing Dr. Drake Ramore. He, what is he? He sleeps with someone like the producer and, or something like that. And then they write him out of the show in revenge and he like, who walks into an elevator shaft that doesn't have an elevator in it and he doesn't want to go. He's like, are you sure anybody else isn't going to get on this elevator with me? And they're like, no, no, just you. Goodbye now. <laughs> it's funny. You can look that up on YouTube, I'm sure. So O'Neill and Jonas Quinn are having their talk on Kowalona and O'Neill kind of gives, a, gives Jonas the benefit of Earth's hindsight that this bomb is no good until you use it, i.e. Hiroshima Nagasaki. Um, believe me, this has been debated to death in political science classes. I've got a degree in political... I've got an honors degree in political science, actually, and the the conclusion is pretty goddamn overwhelming that the bombs did end the war, Um and yes, there's lots you can say for the other side that there was, you know, fire storms and fire bombing and horrendous amounts of attrition and civilian casualties and whatnot and starvation of the mainland islands and, and so on. 
but yeah, history and kind of records it very clearly. And certainly, if you've read Churchill's uh, deep uh, Second World War memoir and autobiography and historical record, he he himself and it was very clear that he and Truman were you know there was never any question that they were going to use it use the thing. They weren't after it for the political purposes of. Uh, you know, threat. They were going to use it as a demonstration, just like O'Neill said, um, to lord up against the Soviets. That's kind of what O'Neill is briefly saying to Jonas, is that this is a dark path, get off it while you can. Um, it, the intention of peace cannot be achieved <laughs> with a weapon of this kind of violence. Um... Daniel Jackson's condition is deteriorating. Janet Fraser is obviously in the episode pacing around backwards and forwards, yelling out for drugs and needles, and he's crashing and, and considering euthanizing him. Um, Sam tries the uh, the hand device on Daniel, and it triggers this near-death experience. <sighs> it's Omar, Omar Dessala. This is back in season four, was it? When we were still talking about the baby, Harsesis, the one who has the secrets. Who <laughs> is being left on camp with the monk. If you already know the meal is cooked, your candle was never fire. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> this is so memorable to me. Here's another personal anecdote. I don't know that I'm ever going to be more personal than I am with you, than I, that I have been so far, and I will be right now. I was a very disturbed, like, 18, 19-year-old kid. Lots of health things going on. We don't need to go into all of those. Very depressed about it all. And was in the, well, vaguely, in the uh, Christian church. And sorry if I'm alienating people here, but uh, man, was that utterly inadequate in dealing with any of the like emotional burdens I was carrying at that time, which were weighty. Um, and I, because I was like a, you know, aspiring writer and the way that a young aspiring writer will, <laughs> I, uh, had lots of notebooks that were already and prepared for me to, uh, write profound things in, which I never actually wrote in because I hadn't had a profound thing happen to me in my entire life at that point. Ah, <laughs> uh, youths. Youths are funny. Um, but I actually, like, transcribed pretty much all of what Omar Dasala says in this episode of Stargate into my, uh, profound notebook of profound stuff. And like, it was so moving and literally like helpful. I, I could just, you know, I was so isolated for many reasons, not the least of which is that everyone says it's God's plan. So shut the fuck up and stop questioning it. Um, that was bullshit. And this little message that Omar delivers to Daniel in this episode was so heartening to me, and I want to give this episode all the points, but there's no points for, like, that. I've already maxed out the wildcard points. Um, so, hmm. <laughs> I'm all over the place today. Fuck me. Um, Daniel regains consciousness. Barely. O'Neill and he have a few words, and it's just like, ah, you know, like I said, there's no hiding the emotions here. O'Neill is very 
sweet and says, yes, you've been a pain in my ass, that's a real emotion, and also, you're my friend and I admire you, you know, Daniel goes to the places where Jack fears to tread, um, they're, they're strong in very, very different ways, and he really admires that, it's so lovely, um, you know, Oma, back to release your burden, Jonas shows up in the middle of all this. He's turned out to be a good guy. We thought he was kind of like a slimy PR guy for the bad guys, but actually he's a good guy. His conscience got the better of him. He believes in the message the Earth people have brought. He stole the Nakwita. He is ashamed. He's, does, he's disgusted by the looks on his leaders' faces. The glee. Um, good for him. Jonas is a good guy. And, of course, we see the full flashback of the acts that Daniel Jackson did to protect that planet of warring maniacs. Nevertheless, Daniel sacrificed himself without any question, just dived straight in there. Super heroic dive, by the way. Um, Sam appears in the middle of Daniel's vision, which is quite cute. The little transition they did there. I'll give them point. I'll give them credit for that. The director, um, and of course Teal'c also shows up. It's the uh, the goodbye farewell. We have battled together bravely, my friend. Monologues. <laughs> There's a uh, when Omas Oma Dasala says there is only one thing we can truly control in this universe, and that is whether we are good or evil. There's a one-point push and swell there, and that's where I lost my shit, of course. Five points for Jacob Carter arriving in the nick of time to save him. That's where we think the episode is going, because, you know, it's Stargate SG-1. The good guys are always going to be healed in the nick of time by some alien technology from some friend we made. Except it's not. It's not the episode you think. He gone. Um, another thing that Omar DeSala says here, <laughs> I gave it five points as... Uh, reference, obvious reference is obvious, an homage, if you will. Walking the great path comes with great responsibility. <laughs> Peter Parker, Spider-Man, yada yada. Um, I gave it five points here because Daniel Jackson has an out-of-body experience. He's walking around the room that everyone's in around him, but no one can see him until he kind of touches Jack. So that's five points for the... Uh, kind of walking around out of phase, invisible. That was like what uh, he did in the episode Crystal Skull, you know. So that, that does count, I think. Um, and I love this little ending it, where he taps Jack on the shoulder and Jack's like, oh, Daniel. Utterly unsurprised to see Daniel in some spooky, futuristic, high-tech alien vision. <laughs> oh, did you, uh, did you want something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. And Daniel's goodbye is really lovely that he's actually found the truth. You know, Omadasala says, Oh, they're saving you. Then it looks like your journey is going to continue as before. She is very subtly provocative. That was a real dig. Like, she brings Daniel to accept that his entire mortal life has been a waste of time. He's confronting that truth within himself. And then she says... Well, I guess you're going to go back to that then. See you later. <laughs> and he's like, hang on. Okay, I see what you did there. I'm pissed off at you, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I see you. I see you, Oma. <laughs> okay, we'll play it your way. Let's wander off into the world of light. 
and see what else is out there. Because this is kind of being a dead end for Dan little Danny Jackson here. Um, yeah, what have I got? And uh, my last note says, uh, the smirk. Oh yeah, when O'Neill at the end says, hey, where are you going? <laughs> what, are you do what the hell are you doing next? What's going to happen? And Daniel Jackson just smiles and says, I have no idea. I don't know. And O'Neill just smirks and sh they smear, they, <laughs> they share the smirk with each other at the end there because walking off into a Stargate alien techno light futuristic vision thing is utterly bizarre and crazy and kooky and it's no different from every other day they've showed up for work for the last five years. I think that's what that smirk is about. They understand each other and they're on the same page and uh, I needed lots of tissues. So a uh, total of, oh and one point I added for a push and swell at the very end of the episode it push and swells in on O'Neill confronting his solitude now. And that makes a total of 38 points. I beg your pardon? 39 points with that extra one that I haven't counted. And, um, good God. I am emotionally <laughs> spent. This was hard. And, um, I think I've probably gone on long enough now. I'm just going to wrap it up and say, check me out on Twitter. I am at CreeYooHoo. It's really nice to read your tweets. I've got the, the computer guy, Kevin, I think, who's been tweeting me little corrections, which is nice. And I've had some lovely messages from people. It's really good of you to do that. Thank you so much. I've been growing now from uh, dozens of listeners to a couple of hundred listeners and now I'm getting 500 listeners a month, and that's that's big, especially considering I it's it's been a month where I haven't put out episodes. <laughs> you know, it's really gratifying. It's growing because you guys are like tweeting my links and sharing me, especially uh, Gate Gate World and Gatecast. Thank you for that, and everyone who says who's tweeting. Um, you know, you're listening to me on your podcast playlist for the weekend. That's really cool. Thank you. And uh, see you next time for Revelations, where it really is the book of Revelations, the end of the world as we know it.